Welcome back, listeners. I'm Amy Reback, your host of Equity Unpacked, and we are going on a long-haul international journey once again today. And here to help us unpack some of what's going on on the international front, both from a political side and from a financial services side, is Monica Prats, who is part of our team here at Schwab. She's our Director of Global Sanctions, which is a big job. And she's also our Anti-Money Laundering Officer for Schwab Funds. Monica, I couldn't ask for anybody more qualified or more knowledgeable to join this conversation today. So thank you so much for being here. Welcome. Thank you, Amy. Thanks for inviting me. Of course, of course. We all know that I could not have this conversation by myself, but you know, I, I really, before we dive into the facts, um, I think it's so interesting what's happened in just the last six months since we started talking about what we'd like to do and what we'd like to focus on the international front with Equity Impact this year. And it's completely different now than it was just a few months ago. If you look back since March, there's been exceptional conflict and, and you know tremendous political upheaval across the world, particularly with Russia and the Ukraine. There's supply chain issues, there's sanctions, there's all sorts of things going on. And, and then in the markets, that really affects things from, an, you know, there's, there's inflation, there's, of course, the supply chain has been a problem since last year. But trying to figure out what's really happening, what comes next, we hear a lot of words on the news and things that are happening that we just can't really all make sense of if we're not an expert. So, you know, when I ask people, I think it's so interesting what their reaction is if you say, oh, my gosh, did you ever think this would happen? Did you ever really imagine that? you know, Russia would invade the Ukraine. And depending on who you ask and what generation they're from, you get a very different answer. And, you know, the, I, I think the millennials are very, very, like, factual, right? And they'll say, well, some of them will say, well, I thought we were friends. And then the others will say, well, yeah, Amy, they, they invaded the Ukraine like four years ago. This should not be a surprise. If you ask my parents on the other end of the spectrum, they'll say, oh, yeah, I knew the whole time. Like, this is not a surprise at all. And then there's something in, in the middle between baby boomers and between the Gen X folks. So it's really interesting and, and fascinating to me how, you know, your initial kind of formative experiences and, and what the political climate was when you were a kid and you were growing up and kind of understanding the world really impacts how people view this issue and what their reaction is to it. So I'll just ask our listeners, just watch for that, because it's so interesting how people react to that question. So let's go ahead and dive into the real meat of our topic today. And Monica, I'm going to ask you for our audience to give an overview on the developments related to the Russian sanctions and the effects that that could have on our corporate clients and their participants. Sure, Amy. Over the past several months, we've seen the U.S. and its allies impose unprecedented sanctions against Russia in response to the invasion of Ukraine. The situation rapidly developed earlier this year and continues to be very fluid. So, Monica, who's involved in that? Is it all government? Is it the you know, regulators for the market? Is it just U.S.? Is it international? Who imposes those sanctions? And you know, how widespread is it? Amy, the Office of Foreign Assets Control, or OFAC, is part of the U.S. Department of the Treasury, and it administers economic sanctions based on U.S. foreign policy and national security goals. In this case, the sanctions were imposed in response to Russia's actions in relation to Ukraine. And in the U.S. in this instance has collaborated with um, many other governments across the world. I believe there are 30 countries that have imposed sanctions on Russia at this point. 
And and when did this start? I mean, I know we saw sort of an escalation, and I don't think anyone was surprised when we woke up that Thursday and and there was all over the news that Russia had invaded the Ukraine overnight. But when did it really start? The sanctions started in February and have continued to target investment in Russian debt and equity, Russian financial institutions, Russian oligarchs, and most recently, all new investment in Russia. And when you say all new investment, that means corporate investment. That means not just the markets and debt and equities and things that you know you and I could buy, but investment banking and the whole entire spectrum of that, right, of investment. That's exactly right. Trading in all Russian securities had been restricted since the market stopped trading Russian securities in early March. And then in April, President Biden signed an executive order prohibiting all new investment in the Russian Federation by U.S. persons. And just recently, OFAC issued new guidance that indicates that U.S. persons are prohibited from purchasing both new and existing debt and equity issued by an entity in Russia. The prohibition doesn't require U.S. persons to divest of existing holdings. And again, the securities aren't trading, but any divestment or transfer would would need to be to a non-U.S. person. So what that really means is that clients are allowed to divest or transfer Russian securities to a non-U.S. person, or the alternative is to transfer to a like-titled account at a financial institution that will accept the shares. So how does this actually happen? I mean, as a financial institution, I know what I experienced, and it was a whole slew of emails of what was what was happening and what was being implemented based on what was required by the government. But typically, do financial institutions get a, a official notice from the government? Do employers or anyone that does any kind of business, how, how do they know? Is it just like a, a broad-based message that goes out to anyone saying, hey, this isn't allowed anymore? We do receive notice. However, we don't receive prior notice to when those sanctions take effect. So the results can impact clients very quickly. And in some instances, the sanctions take effect immediately after being issued. And in some instances, certain activity is allowed for a short time. At Schwab, our response has been focused on two key areas, ensuring that the firm remains fully compliant with all sanctions and providing the best possible service to our clients in these uncertain times. Okay, so Monica, that covers financial institutions, or at least how we experience that process as a broker-dealer. But for our audience, I'm curious about the impact to employers. You know, What challenges would you expect an employer and their employees to encounter as a result of these sanctions, or you know, specifically with paying out equity awards? Amy, employers have fewer channels through which they can send payments to Russia or receive funds from Russia. The U.S. imposed sanctions on several Russian financial institutions, and that prohibits broker-dealers such as Schwab from doing business with those banks. And this, this means that clients are no longer able to transfer funds to, from, or through those impacted financial institutions. And then additionally, The U.S., EU, and other allies decided to disconnect several banks from the SWIFT payment messaging system, and transactions through those financial institutions are no longer possible. So from a sanctions perspective, participants could authorize payments to another individual just as long as it is not going to a sanctioned person or to or through a sanctioned financial institution or jurisdiction. So when you say that participants could authorize payments to another individual, as long as they're not on the no-no list, then 
do you mean from person to person? So if you and I were in that situation, I could receive funds and send it to you as an individual, as long as it didn't go through any of those institutions that were on the list or that had been blocked. Right. Or you authorize your employer or Schwab to direct those payments to another individual. I see. Okay. So let's just kind of break this all down into plain language because it's, it is complicated. Employers are going to work through for equity compensation through broker dealers because we're we're talking about securities for equity comp, and that issues equity compensation to their employees. If U.S. broker dealers are not allowed to conduct transactions with certain types of financial institutions that have been sanctioned, and even more seriously, a lot of those institutions have been cut off from that SWIFT system, which for those of you that are not familiar, the SWIFT system is kind of the main highway that international transactions take place you know, across jurisdictions and across borders. So if that's the primary means of executing those international firm-to-firm electronic transactions, it's got to be pretty difficult for employers to issue those shares to employees. You know, if the the receiving account or bank with a foreign equivalent of a broker-dealer is sanctioned by the U.S. or one of the Western allies and not really able to access SWIFT. So kind of like a highway system that's been blown up. There's still, the destinations are still there, but the on-ramps and the roads to get there are few and far between. Is that, is that a good analogy? That's exactly right, Amy. That, that's one of the direct impacts of the sanctions and the events in Ukraine. So what could come next? Is there a pattern of escalation with something like this? I mean, are we in completely uncharted territory? Is there something we could pick up on from history to give us a clue? Sanctions in relation to Russia are truly unprecedented in the way they have rolled out and how comprehensive they are. And although I don't have a crystal ball, a potential possibility over the long term is that Russia becomes a sanctioned jurisdiction, just like North Korea, Cuba, or Iran, with an embargo against the entire economy. Okay, so you earlier you mentioned OFAC, which is the Office of Foreign Asset Control. That's a U.S.-based institution. When Whenever I hear North Korea, Cuba, Iran, that's OFAC. So are, are you saying that, that we could potentially see it escalated to Russia being on the OFAC list? We don't make those decisions, by the way, but it could potentially escalate to that. That's right. And, and I think what's really significant about these Russian sanctions is that over 30 countries have imposed sanctions and export controls on Russia. We've seen more coordination between the U.S. and its allies as the sanctions have continued to increase. Again, the the U.S. sanctions apply to a U.S. person, no matter where located, but with other countries rolling out similar sanctions, it could become more difficult over time. Yeah, so even though the Office of Foreign Asset Control is what we know, from a U.S. domestic perspective, there are equivalents across the world that would impose or have imposed those same sanctions or could potentially escalate that. Do you feel like those sanctions are happening in concert? You said that they've joined the U.S., but are they all the same? Is it a united front? They're very similar, Amy. There can be some differences. One example would be where maybe the UK sanctions different Russian oligarchs than the US. But to a substantial degree, we are working in parallel. Okay. So there's there's so much to unpack here. I don't even know, like the beginning, middle, it just starts to be Pandora's box. You know, from these sanctions, do you think we've seen the last of it? I think the way the, the um, conflict is progressing, that this, this could be a longer term impact. And so I don't see immediate um, pulling back on those sanctions. 
I think what we've also seen are more and more firms de-risking and voluntarily making decisions to move operations out of Russia. We saw that with Visa back in March when Visa card transactions in Russia were discontinued. We've also seen other firms, examples include McDonald's and Starbucks, that have also made decisions about how to continue operations in Russia. The other things I think we've seen from a broader economic perspective is the U.S. imposed a ban on all Russian oil and gas imports in March. And more recently, the European Union also agreed to ban or reduce Russian oil and gas. Oh boy, Pandora's box just got even wider here. So, you know, I'm seeing a lot of headlines in the U.S. or just in the news or actually hearing it in podcasts when I'm driving to and from work these days about inflation, about oil and gas prices, about the war in Ukraine and the sanctions. Do you feel like the war in the Ukraine is contributing to inflation and gas prices and all of those things? It's the volatility that we're seeing in the markets, the bear market we just we just entered. How do you feel that the sanctions are impacting the markets? I do think that in addition to the investment industry impact around securities that we're going to see other impacts. One example is Ukraine is a top global producer of certain commodities, such as wheat or other natural resources used in computer chips or electronics. Uh, In fact, Ukraine is expected to harvest less than half of its usual grain this year. So I think there are some downstream effects from those sanctions. Now, based on your experience and your expertise, what do you think is the most important consideration for our audience here to consider? Amy, these sanctions have evolved rapidly and the firm doesn't receive advance notice. So clients can absolutely be impacted in a very short order. We do understand that there is a significant impact on the client. If employers and their participants want to learn more, what resources would you recommend for them to understand these sanctions and and what's happening on a global scale? Schwab has created a website and kept it up to date with the latest information on Russian sanctions and the impact to transactions and securities. You can find it at schwab.com resource slash Russian sanctions. Another great source of information on OFAC actions is the U.S. Department of Treasury's website, and you can find that at home.treasury.gov news. Awesome. That's perfect. Thank you. Um, I'm curious to know, you know, based on your experience and your role here at Schwab, what kind of questions do you think we should be receiving from participants? What do you think the reaction would be from an individual? I think typically they want to know how they move money and how they invest their funds. And so there are sanctioned securities, and then there's that broader um, market restriction on trading Russian securities. So I think those are the types of questions that we're typically seeing. We've even had specific um, securities that are blocked by by OFAC, and that means that we have to freeze those. We, we can't allow the client to even hold them. So that that's a very rare occurrence, but we have seen that sort of thing. And so I think those are typically the the most likely questions that we're receiving and trying to address on that website. You know, I haven't seen that personally. I don't know that we would because we don't issue any um, securities that would have been af- affected by those transactions. They're all U.S.-based companies. But, you know, questions from, from participants that I would sort of expect, unrelated necessarily to their equity compensation, but more related just to their investments, maybe if they've diversified, is 
So the sanctions happen. They're not allowed to hold or trade in those Russian securities. What happens to them? Do they just evaporate? Do we sell them off? Like, does any broker dealer sell them off? What does what do the regulations require us to do with those holdings? So if a security is actually blocked or frozen by OFAC, we have to actually open up an internal escrow account and we move those securities into that account and we hold those until we're allowed to do otherwise. So unfortunately, that that's the most, I think, severe impact that can happen if a client happens to hold a blocked security. And that's every broker dealer is required to do that. And Absolutely. is the is the function of moving it into an escrow account where it's, you know, it's still labeled as these many shares belong to this this individual is the function of that to prevent any access to it. That's exactly right. Okay. And would that individual still be able to see sort of as a book entry that they still own that? They just can't do anything with it? That's correct. And so really Schwab had never had to take an action on that large of a scale before. And so we worked um, very, very hard to create a, a process that was good for the client as well. And so in those affected client accounts, they do see um, basically a dummy security and know how many short shares that they hold. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's interesting. Just the how the pipes work in the background is, is super interesting. Um, you know, for our audience, I, I think it's interesting to understand that we've been receiving a lot of questions, some from participants and also some from the corporate side, the administrators of the plan. And it's, they've been things that I would not have expected. And it's, it's, an, it's posed a lot of new challenges. One of them is um, we've had, at least in the beginning, we had a lot of questions from employers saying, can you help me locate my employees? that were in the Ukraine because they were on the move. They were fleeing the invasion and they literally could not find them. If they didn't have updated information or they didn't have access to those or the, the networks were down, it was it was really troubling. And and we were in the, the sort of in the middle of that, you know, much more troubling for the employers and, and certainly for the employees that were experiencing that. That sort of died down. I think the initial panic over that has died down and, and employees have been able at some point to get in touch with their employers, but they may not be able to re- receive their shares or they may not even be able to be paid. So there's a lot of um, a lot of scramble really just to trying to figure out how to iron all of this out and take care of their employees, but also make sure that they're safe. And from afar, that's really, really difficult to do. So, you know, when you're in this type of, of business, um, you're exposed to those things that you wouldn't necessarily think about just as a a regular person, but I'm sure you see those types of issues with individuals and their accounts and access to funds all the time as, uh, as the global sanctions officer. So really interesting stuff. Monica, I'm so pleased that you are here with us today. Thank you so much for joining. Um, thanks for giving us some additional resources for our listeners. And you know, one of the things that we started to dive into, and when we were sort of formulating this episode, everyone, uh, one of the biggest impacts in this process that always boils down to impacting equity compensation as well is supply chain and that makes that pandora's box even bigger so we did decide to do another episode on supply chain so watch for that because that's going to be interesting as well lots of intangible things here but we've tried to make the most of it and tried to make sense of it for you all thanks for joining us on another journey today with equity unpacked monica thanks again for being here and happy travels everyone Subscribe to our podcast. 
and visit schwab.com slash equity unpacked. For important disclosures, see the show notes or visit schwab.com slash equity unpacked.